Welcome to Into Africa. My name is Mvemba Pezo Dizolele. I'm a senior fellow and the director of the Africa program at the Center for Strategic and International Studies. This is a podcast where we talk everything Africa, politics, economics, security, and culture. Welcome. The government of the Democratic Republic of Congo is striving to secure a compact with the Millennium Challenge Corporation. This is a grant worth millions of dollars from the United States to help spur economic development and reduce poverty. But qualifying for the grant is no easy feat, as applicant countries must meet specific requirements through a competitive selection, whereby the board of the Millennium Challenge Corporation examine its performance on 20 policy indicators to determine its aggregate policy performance. These indicators include civil liberties, political rights, freedom of information, government effectiveness, rule of law, control of corruption, fiscal policy, immunization rate, public expenditure on health, public expenditure on education, girls' primary and secondary education completion rate, etc. To pass the scorecard, a country must pass 10 of the 20 indicators need to pass either the political rights or civil liberty indicators and pass the control of corruption indicators. And all 20 indicators are compiled by third parties with no connection to the Millennium Challenge Corporation. Applicant countries are required to identify the priorities for achieving sustainable economic growth and poverty reduction and develop their proposals in broad consultation within their society. Finally, once the country is awarded a compact, it sets up its own local Millennium Challenge account entity to manage and oversee all aspects of implementation. Monitoring of funds is rigorous, transparent, and often through independent fiscal agent. This is an impressive exercise for the government of Democratic Republic of Congo, given the challenges and obstacles that the country faces. Helping us today to sort all this through is the Honorable Nicolas Kazadi, Minister of Finance and Acting Minister of National Economy of the Democratic Republic of Congo. Good afternoon, Mr. Kazadi, and welcome to Into Africa. Yes, good afternoon. It's a pleasure to host you here at the Center for Strategic and International Studies. What brings you to Washington? I'm here for the annual meeting of the World Bank and the IMF, but as you may know, apart from those meetings, we have several meetings, bilateral meetings with a different set of partners and also with the U.S. administration. And how is that going so far? So far, I can say so good. I came only two days ago. We already had some meetings with the World Bank and IFC, which went very well, and I'm planning to see... Uh, the U.S. administration today, the Treasury, and I will meet also the State Department and other partners. That is a very busy schedule. As I said in my opening remarks, is you also here to negotiate a compact, uh, the Millennium Challenge Corporation Compact, at least one of your goals. Is that so? I'm not sure that we can negotiate a compact. We just have to show the improvement that we are making in the different indicators under the MCC uh, framework. 
And in that regard, we, we will have discussion with the MCC to show what we are doing and to identify area of progress where we can make progress and ensure that all the progress that we are making in DRC are well recorded here in the U.S. Very good. I'd say that uh, it's a tall order. We know that the DRC is facing a lot of challenges. We have war in the East. We have an economy, at least seen from the outside, that is not performing where the expectations are. There are a lot of reports of corruption. Those of us who follow Africa and follow the country, there have been trial in the courts. There have been stories that have not necessarily been uh, sub substantiated with proofs. But at least we know there have been various trials. There was Affaire Camere, and there have been many other issues. Just given that and where your country stands, what would you say is the financial health of the Democratic Republic of Congo? We are improving. We are improving in a very rapid way. You are talking about trials. This shows exactly the change that we brought in the country. When you see in the past years, I know that you are a good follower of the situation of Congo. You know that in the past, it was almost impossible to find trials with high-level officials. So it means that this is the big change that we brought. Kamere, who was the chief of staff of the president, went to trial and finally he was released. He was released. Uh, yes, you know, he was released finally by the court. All this shows that there is a big change in the country, but this change shows all the weaknesses that we have in terms of even the justice itself has some weaknesses and all these are our challenges. But now we are trying to fix them one after another. And that's what we are bringing. Okay, that's helpful to, for the context. In this case, because, you know, the control of corruption is an important part of the indicators. And I know that the U.S. is very strict on that side, at least the Millennium Challenge Corporation itself take that indicator very seriously. In this case, we know that the Affaire Camere came to the court, but it was also a culmination of the work of the Inspection Générale des Finances. I'm not sure if that falls under your portfolio or directly under the office of the president, but that showed a couple of things at best. One, there is an investigation. Two, there is the court. But then the court sometime, we've seen a few cases where the court will have said, we are not qualified to take this case. Or it creates this friction because the populations have been expecting justice, the rule of law, which is another indicator. But then the court sometimes says, we are not qualified to take this. We don't have authority. This was the case, for instance, with Affaire Matata Ponyo. I'm not a lawyer, but those send certain messages. And then part of fighting corruption is to recoup the money. If the accusation, you being a, a technocrat, if there's accusation that money was embezzled, at a minimum, people expect part of that money to come back to the coffers. Yes, but uh, you are raising a very big issue. First of all, what the judge has to do should not be led by the street. It's a very technical work that they do. We should, they, do, they should do it independently. And that's what we hope. We expect that they are doing it independently, but it is obvious that we have some problems. We come from very far in our country regarding the justice. But the most important thing is that we are improving. And this will not come in one day. And several times the president himself recalled that he does not agree with how things are handled in the justice system. And I think the most important thing is just keep improving, keep improving every day. And that is what is happening. 
On the money, the best would be to take the money back after the trials. But for the case of Camere, money came back for the houses, the prefabricated houses. They resumed the work on the houses. So that is one result. This is also part of the situation that we are facing. As you contextualize for our audience the road that DRC has traveled, what will you say have been the areas of improvement? The one you are talking about on corruption mm -hmm. is one of area of improvement. We are still uh, moving forward to have the new law on uh, anti-corruption and uh, the law against money laundering. These are area of improvement. And again, the work that has been done by the Inspection Générale des Finances is something very new. Uh, we have never seen that in the past. And I work closely with them. I can tell you that every day we have new cases and we are trying to address them accordingly. On the fiscal side of my work, my daily work, I can tell you, you can ask the mining sector or others, big companies, they will tell you that what they were doing with my predecessors, some of wrongdoing, they cannot even imagine doing it today because we have changed completely. We have changed completely the way we deal with them and there is no place, no way to get some bribes against the, the interests of the country of the Treasury. This is an interesting point that you raise, uh, Mr. Minister. The DRC is known as a mining powerhouse because of its resources. And the challenge always been for a number of years that the revenues from the mines do not go to the national coffers. They go elsewhere. I just want to dig a little deeper with you. What exactly have you put in place in that space? And then, because we know the United States, the Department of Treasury, has sanctioned certain people in DRC. And then in other areas as well, not just in the mining or the business, even with the Electoral Commission and so on. So the U.S. has been really looking at this. And the relationship that you are seeking to build with the Millennium Challenge Corporation, being technical as it is, can you tell us a little bit, over the time of your tenure, what are some of the specifics that you've put, particularly in this mining space? Yes, you are talking about the past. We are trying to build the future. Mm -hmm. And we took the country where it was, with all the weaknesses, and uh, we are fixing all of them. On the mining sector, just to give you one point, we are under the monitoring of the ETA, ETA, which is done to ensure transparency in the mining sector. They just released their last report. This is Extractive Industry yes. Transparency Initiative. Yes. They just released their last report recently, and uh, we are rated four. It goes from one to five. Five means out outstanding, and we are four. It means that there is a clear improvement. We could not imagine that in the past. And I can tell you, when you see the collection of revenue in the public sector, yes, the price of our minerals is going up, but... That's not the only reason. One of the reasons is that we are putting more transparency on the way we collect our fiscal revenue from the mining sector and ask them. They are a third party. They will tell you what is happening with us. And you will see exactly where we have put the difference on our governance compared to the past. The consequence of that, the positive consequence, will be then an increase in funds coming into the national coffers. Absolutely. We have more than double. Because last year it was around 40% increase, and this year, for this sum, we are at 70%. So it means that we have doubled, more than doubled the, the revenue collection internally, thanks 
thanks to the effort that we made in tax collection. Because the price of our minerals, they already increased since 2020. But the effect of that, we see that only this last year and this year, because we have changed completely the way we are dealing with the mining sector. Today, what is the budget of the DRC? For next year, the budget that we prepared is reaching 14 billion. And we come from 10 or 11 billion this year and only 6 billion the previous year. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. That then means, from what you've said so far, that there is more transparency in the collection at least? Absolutely. And our fight is to ensure that we put that money the right place. So it means we take care of our people, we do the investment that we have to do because we have to catch up in terms of investment. And we face some other challenges, like security challenges. Thanks to those resources, we are able to fix. One issue, one indicator, we'll talk about indicators because that's we stay on the technical side of things. Government effectiveness. How do you perceive the level of government effectiveness today in DRC, given what you just said? We have the most ambitious reform agenda regarding public sector, public finance, and we are doing well. You know that we are under a program with the IMF, but beyond the program with the IMF, we have several areas of reform regarding public finance, and we are doing quite well. And the key word is transparency, bringing more digitalization in our processes and reduce area for corruption. That's the key objective. The result speaks by themselves. Beside the mining laws, we suppose if the government is effective, that means a number of things. Right? It means soldiers are being paid, since security is a big issue with the DRC. It means teachers are being paid. That's the ultimate public sector, education. One of the indicators that we look at here with the Millennium Challenge Corporation is public expenditure on education, girls' primary and second education completion rate. How is that transferring in those spaces? How does government effectiveness, yes. as you see it, bearing fruit in those spaces yes. that we, I mentioned? We, we did something that has never been done in the country, like ensuring free primary edu education for all, girls and boys. What we did, thanks to the political will of the president, it was mandatory from the constitution, but no one did it in the past. What the parents were paying to the teachers, it is now the government that is paying. And as a result, the teachers, the salary have been doubled or almost sometimes tripled just because of that decision. It means that the money that we are collecting is going in the right place. Now, poor families don't have to pay for primary education and the money that they save, they can put it in other activities or they can save or do whatever they want to do. So it's a big improvement. And we give back to the families more than 1 billion each year. Thanks to that, we have improved the number of classrooms, the number of teachers from 40,000 to 60,000. Part of the debate when it comes to public free education in DRC has been that while what you describe makes sense, the challenge is that we've seen this with the Catholic Church, with other institutions, is that the government is not building or the state is not building enough schools. So classes are crowded. We're expanding, meaning the DRC is expanding, but on the old infrastructure. No, that's a real problem. But we cannot get all the benefits one time. First of all, it was important to put our children back to school. 
And now we have close to 5 million children in school that if we didn't take that decision, they would be in the street. So it's very important. Now the second challenge is to have enough space for them. And that's what we are doing now. We have a very ambitious plan to build schools and we are doing with the means that we have, with the assistance that we get from our partners. Recently, we got 140 million US dollars from the World Bank as a support to the free education for all. We've put at least half of that money to build new school, new classroom. But it takes time to build schools. So that's the challenge that we so have. So you have started building new schools. What is your goal? We need 120,000 additional classrooms if you want to have the good ratio in terms of number of children per classroom. Yes. 120,000 new classrooms. That's a tall order. The other issue that of, uh, just sticking with the government effectiveness that has come to affect Congo is the issue of retirement. Those of us who visit Congo every so often, we still see our parents, people we knew who are in their 80s, who are, have been working nonstop. They cannot afford to retire because the government is not ready to let them go. As one of the overseers of the system, what are you doing? What is your assessment? No, of you that? are absolutely right. This is a big issue. And uh, we have many people, even teachers, who are over 100 years old, but they are still working. Even if they don't work, they put someone to work in their behalf and they continue to get money because otherwise they have nothing. So this is also a priority, and uh, we are now helping them to retire in a very good way, in a very honorable way. We give them a package around 6,000 US dollars, from 6,000 to 10,000, depends on the category, something that they could not even imagine one day. And what they receive monthly after retirement, some of them were receiving $2 monthly. And the minimum that they will receive now is like $50. You will say that it's not big money, but in some villages, it's big money. And the others, the higher level, they will get to 300 or 400. So we are changing completely the situation. And what is your goal in that space? We want this year to retire at least 10,000 people and next year 30,000. This will give us a space to hire new people or to pay people in a better way. Because sometimes you have people who should have retired, but they are still working and they have additional people working who are not paid or not paid properly. So the situation is not easy at all. This will require then also that the uh, agency that deals with social security be revamped. Yes, we have created a new one because in the past, retired people were getting money from the budget directly. Now they have their own pension fund and this gives them the opportunity to have more money because now they are paid by those who are working and that's how we have been able to multiply by 10 or more what they receive monthly. And that's also closing the spigot where people used to divert the money that were taken from the pay of the civil servants. This is another fight. Yeah. It's another fight, and our, our Minister of uh, Civil Service is working hard on that to clean our, all the files and ensure that those who should not remain in the file are removed. I can tell you that he told me one day that there is someone who is getting money in my name, as if it was me, presented like the son of my father who died two years ago. And he was receiving money like a pension from my father, in my name, wow. as if it was me. Mm -hmm. He presented as Nicola Cazzetti. So it means that every month when I signed payment for those uh, salaries, there was someone 
who was taking money in my name, but it was fraud, simply. Justice, of course, needs to get involved as well. Yes, but it's too much. First of all, cleaning. There are so many cases. Every month, we keep money back from the payroll. Every month, and not uh, small money. One billion, two billion of Congolese franc when cleaning the files. Let's go back to the MCC. Since you're dealing with the bank, you're dealing with the Brenton Wood institutions, what kind of support are you getting? The program that we have under ECA, announced Credit Facilities, ECF with the IMF, is going well. We went through two reviews, which were successful. We will start the third review just after the annual meeting. I think we are on track. Thanks to that, we received disbursement for the IMF, two times to around 200 million US dollars to strengthen our reserves. And also, we thanks to the program and the achievement that we made, we've been able to secure for the first time after 15 years, a budget support from the World Bank, 250 million US dollars. So the budget support from the World Bank, 350 million, what does that do? Why is it important for the DRC? Because the needs are important. On the retirement plan, we have been using part of this money to pay the package to those who have to retire. That's an example, but there are a lot of needs. We have local development programs which need funding. We have a lot of problems and issues. Is the budget support considered a loan to be reimbursed? It's yes. half loan, half grant. For this time, I think it was 100% grant. We made it like this to speed up the process. But the next one, if it happens, will be 100% loan. Another challenge for the DRC has been the private sector. In parts of the world, when a politician runs for office, he promises to create jobs. And this is an important indicator. The voters will remember that. You said you're going to create X number of jobs in certain parts of the world. We don't hear that discussion of how many jobs we will create. But the campaign is run on a different set of discourse. You know, in the case of the DRC, I was there in 2006 to observe the elections. I was there in 2011. Of course, I go there often. Where is your vision when it comes to the private sector? Of course, you are working at the pleasure of the president, but you are part of the government. Or should I say, what is the vision of your government in the private sector? Because the economic growth of DRC will come from the private yes. sector. I was telling you that we share the same values with the U.S. regarding economic vision. And it is clear for us that the private sector will make the difference. But it is to give them the context so that they can invest and grow. That is what we are trying to do. That is the direction that we follow with all our reform agenda. For that to work, the DRC has to put in place incentives, tax breaks, the tax regime is one, rule of law. A lot of complaints about the ports, Matadi and Boma, people are going to Congo Brazzaville. Or in the East, people prefer going the other way. There's a fuite, no, right. the resource, there's a leakage. In many no, ways. You're, you're right. In the East, there's no choice because the country is landlocked in the East. We are open only to 30 or 40 kilometers in the West side. And for that, yes, you're right. That's why the banana port is a priority for the president and for the country. We are working hard to make it happen with our partners from Byport World. And we hope that we'll be able to start the work in a couple of months. So it is a strategic project for us, but we have a lot of issues. When you consider the investment code, it is the best one in the world. 
but it is not enough to bring to capture good investors. So it means that we have all the problems that we are trying to fix, access to water, access to energy, road, etc. We have a lot of challenges. We need big funding for big projects regarding roads, regarding water, energy, and we are reforming in that regard. Why you say it's one of the best in the world? What makes it the best in the world? You know, when you invest in DRC, in any area, I'm not talking about the mining code, which is specific, but in any other area you want to invest, you have three to five years tax-free, almost tax-even from three to five years, depending on the area where you are investing. So it's very open. But unfortunately, it's not enough to bring good investors. Good investors, they want the respect of rule of law. They want access to justice. They want small things that are basic, you know, uh, water, road, energy, etc. When you are tax-free, it's okay, but you pay a lot for water, or you pay a lot for energy because you need to have your own generator, etc. It is costly. When you face justice, you have to pay. You pay everyone. You pay your lawyer. You pay even more than your lawyer. These are the realities that we are facing. So it means that we have to deal with all these issues. That's why fighting against corruption, changing mentality are the priority of the president. That's the best way to improve the business climate and also access to water, access to energy are the key priorities for the country. Every country is unique by configuration, by their own history. But the challenges that countries face are often not unique, while they happen in a peculiar environment. So we have countries like India that have had conflict in Punjab and Kashmir for a long time. We have Colombia that has had issue with FARC for a long time. But those countries seem to work. In other words, they find other ways of continuing to perform. The DRC seems to be paralyzed, quote unquote by the conflict in the East, when in fact the rest of the country is not in conflict. What's your assessment? Where is the challenge there? Paralyzed is too much. We are still living and improving. And what is happening now, it's a big change. We are emerging, but it doesn't please everybody. So you see that our neighbors, they're not happy with that because they take advantage when the situation is not good in our country, especially in the east side of the country. But we are moving forward. We are looking forward and we are doing our best. The result that we are having on the economic side are speaking for us. And it is not for no reason that the two or three rating agencies Mm -hmm. have upgraded DRC on economic criteria means that there is something happening in the country. That's essential. No, it's essential. I, I think the point I was trying to make is if you go to Equator, you go to Mbandaka, or you go to Ngandajika, or you go to Loja, sometimes people in the war zone actually have more access to amenities yes, you know than what? people in Bandaka. I mean, sure, there's a great presence of NGOs, international, all the stuff, it. but it's uneven in the way that sometimes you wonder, finally, where is the conflict? Because the conflict zones seem to be doing better to a certain extent. Since the conflict started in the 90s, all the partners were thinking that they have to concentrate their support in the eastern region to reduce the impact of conflict or to reduce security threat. But unfortunately, they did not get the result they were expecting because we are still facing the same situation because there is one country hidden behind who is fueling what conflict. Country? You know it. You know very well that it is well known. It's Rwanda. And because of that, what they did is simply contradictory. You give money to Rwanda, half of the budget supported by the international community. You give money to NGOs in Kivu, 
as a result, the conflict continues because Rwanda continues to take advantage in exploiting our mining activities in the East. And that's what is happening now. But the good news is that now people have understood more clearly the situation. They see that there is another kind of leadership in Kinshasa that they can hear and trust. And this is a big change. I'm not sure that the past situation will continue. President Shekedi has been as open as he could be, even toward the president of Rwanda, saying that we can share economic interests and not only black interests, but open interests and share peace also. I thought that he understood that very well, but unfortunately, it is clear that he did not understand. You mean President Kagame? President Kagame, and he prefers to continue in the black. That's why you see the M23 coming back with the support of Rwandan force, and that's the reality that we are facing. Mr. Minister, we are talking about transition to green energy now in the world. COP27 will be happening soon in Sharm el-Sheikh in Egypt. The DRC has decided that they will auction off some of the oil blocks in the rainforest. This has caused a lot of contention around the world. Why is your government auctioning off these blocks when it seems to go counter the uh, policies of the world in uh, transitioning to green energy? First of all, it's important to know that we are not the problem regarding the climate challenges. We are not at all the problem. If you compare what we produce in terms of emission to what we store as carbon, we are the solution, not the problem. So it is unfair to think that we should take the burden of the climate challenges alone, only because we have forests. We have forests, okay, but we also have some assets. And we need money, we need development. We want a sustainable development for our people and for the world. But the right to development is a fundamental right. If there is any other solution to address our key challenges as a poor country with so many challenges, we are ready to address them with the support of the international community. And if this should lead to a decision regarding the blocks that may be a problem, we are ready and open to talk about that. But as a principle, we are not the problem regarding the climate challenges. We are the solution. Instead, we are among the countries that are more affected by effect of climate change. If I hear you correctly, Mr. Minister, you're saying that, one, this is an issue of sovereignty. You have the right to your resources. But B, the world, the donors had pledged a lot of money for the DRC. Why can't you not, not accept? That. You have not seen the money. We have not seen that. Last year in Glasgow, we signed, the president signed something with the prime minister, Boris Johnson, 500 million US dollars for five years as part of the commitment to green finance for a country like DRC, which is one of the most important ones, not only in Africa, but in the world. With the Congo Basin forest, tell me, is that fair when you know that we are among the poorest countries in the world? We have the most important gap in terms of investment, roads, schools, hospitals, etc., for our people with a growing population. That's the problem. Was 500 million over five years not enough, you're saying, or they just never delivered? What is the no, problem? No, it's not enough. It's not enough. Uh, it's clear. Has the DRC expressed its grievances with the donors or its position? Maybe grievance is not we, the word, we, but the position. We do it every day and everywhere. And what is the response? We are in a discussion. There were around 30 blocks. Only six of them represent a problem, according to some of our friends and partners. What we are saying is this. 
let's open a discussion. And you know that there is a working group that has been decided between the U.S. and Congo because the United States is our key partner. Let's see what will come out of this working group. But we are open to discussion. Being that the DRC is so rich in resources, can the DRC find other resources and try to preserve those blocks for now? First of all, we are not able to say exactly how these blocks will harm the climate and the forest. We don't know. But what we know already is that the situation of war in the East, made by people that you know, we know how it is harming the forest. It is harming the environment, maybe more than operating those blocks. These are things that we have to assess clearly and see where is the problem in reality. On this show, on this program, we always mind the gap. And by that, we mean for every situation, there is the perception of the situation. And then there is the reality of the situation. My question to you, Mr. Minister, where is the gap in the case of DRC? And if you had a magic wand, how do you close that gap? between the perception of the DRC where it stands today and the reality of the DRC so the world and the Congolese people can work together. That is exactly why we are here. We are here to talk to people so that they can understand the change that are happening in DRC. In the past, maybe it is in our culture, we are not good in communicating, in campaigning on any issue, but we have to catch up. We have to. Some people understand now that Congo is one of the most important countries, not only because it is big with close to 100 million people, but because of its natural resources, because of the role it has in the context of the climate challenges. With the governance that we have now, Congo is coming back and people are ready to listen to what we are saying. Things are moving. Things are changing, definitely. And in my view, the time has come to people to understand that they did wrong regarding DRC. They were completely wrong. And there is a new DRC coming. They have to support the new DRC coming and help it achieve its development goals for the good of Africa and the world. Honorable Minister Nicola Kazadi, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We want to have more conversations about Africa. Tell your friends. Subscribe to our podcast at Apple Podcasts. You can also read our analysis and report at csis.org slash Africa. So long. Mm-hmm.